Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good morning and welcome to episode 82 of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name's Gus Logue, joined as always by my co-host John Shipley. John, I don't know about you, but I've got a little bit more pep in my step at this time of the week now that we're a few more days removed from another Jaguars loss and I guess a couple days closer to potentially another one. But I don't know, the the rush of the holidays has kind of gone past me at last. So how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Anytime you can no longer have to talk about that Christmas Eve Tampa Bay game, I think you're you're doing good. So I'm doing good. Last last home game of the regular season, maybe of the season, depending on how the last two weeks go. So, you know, big one on Sunday versus the Carolina Panthers, who I I normally have nothing vested, but I have talked for the (laughs) two teams I probably have talked the most crap about this year, the Panthers and the Jets. So for it to just blow up in my face spectacularly would be, uh, there, I would I would deserve the dunking. So I, I I am interested to see how this one goes. I think I actually picked uh, the Panthers to win this game way back when the regular season schedule first came out, like during the summer. And I was like, I mean, I I had the Jaguars finishing like thirteen and four or something like that, probably. But I thought I don't know, like. I was a Frank Reich fan at the time, and I thought, like, the Jags would just, like, drop a random one. And then once the season started and, like, Bryce Young didn't look good, Frank Reich was, like, the earliest firing of a head coach in at least a couple of decades, and everything seemed to be going downhill. So I was like, I don't know, that's probably going to be chalked that up as an easy win in Week 17. And now here we are where it feels like the turntables have flipped once again. (laughs) As you said, like that last week, the Jags have probably been the worst team in football over the past month. Like, I, I, can, I don't really have anything to argue against that. And so it'll definitely be a nice clash of the Titans this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of who else is overlap. I, I'd say Washington, probably. Uh, yeah. That's um, a good one. The Chargers. Uh, I don't know. The Giants have been a little bit more uh, spry than them. Yeah, uh, the Steelers before they beat the Bengals, and then you know the team that they're playing. I think uh, on Sunday the Panthers. Though the Panthers last two weeks probably been the most successful weeks. They beat the Falcons without scoring a touchdown. <laughs> 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 a completely ridiculous game, and that, that that game felt much more like oh wow the Falcons and Arthur Smith and Desmond Ritter are terrible as opposed to the Panthers are turning a corner. But then last week against Green Bay, like I'm not even gonna make the it's a Joe Barry comment because well yeah it's it's fair to say but I'll, I'll concede like Bryce made more throws in that game than I think he's made like in the other what like 14 starts <laughs> combined yeah so you're definitely playing them at their best point which still isn't good but nonetheless like it, just in terms of like recent trajectory you know they're playing a bit better than they have lately in the jags are playing their worst football this season like, I, I feel like by far because we talked about this last week but on defense they're completely healthy and they're still like <laughs> just getting absolutely gashed and on offense it's that's not the case you know you're missing christian kirk uh, we'll see if zay jones plays this week he, he looked like he was you know taking every part in uh, individual drills with the wide receivers yesterday didn't look like he was being held back very much. So maybe he has a chance to go this weekend, but between the injuries of wide receiver, the injuries at offensive line, Trevor Lawrence stacking up injuries each week, obviously the offense is different, but the Jags have a fully healthy defense and they've been getting gashed like nobody else. So I, I'd say, you know, these are probably two of the worst teams over the last month, but the Panthers are playing a smidge better. <laughs> Just a smidge better. Yeah, I feel like it's better. I feel like both of their two recent games are honestly more of indictments on their opponents than like the Panthers doing great. I mean, they they do deserve some credit, but like you were saying, like the Falcons' offense was just they were down a couple healthy offensive linemen, and then 
like it feels like Arthur Smith's time in Atlanta is coming to a close. And then like I feel like the Joe Barry excuse is a pretty good one for the Packers. I've got a one of my good friends is a Packers fan, and I picked him up from the airport the other day, and the whole car ride was just Joe Barry talk. And like we gotta get rid of this guy because the rest of the Packers defense has so many like good names on its roster, but then it doesn't come together well as a as a whole. So it's it's kind of an interesting contrast to the Jaguars, who we've been saying like have been beating themselves the whole year. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. I, we'll start off with Jags offense versus Panthers defense. I think this is definitely like the bigger side of the ball to watch because Jacksonville has obviously had a lot of offensive struggles in terms of shooting themselves in the foot, but especially in the past month. And then the defensive side of the ball for the Panthers is probably like their strong suit with defensive coordinator. Um, I looked up his pronunciation. Ajero Evero. Evero is not too bad, but. Yeah, so Evero is really good. He was with the Broncos for the past few years in that Broncos London game where uh, Trevor threw like the pretty gnarly red zone interception to Justin Simmons. That was Evero's defense that he was coordinating then, and he's done a pretty nice job in Carolina. Like they've got some good pieces in Brian Burns and Derek Brown, but really, like I think their defense is one of those that's like playing better than the sum of their parts. So he's like. He's almost like anti Joe Barry in that way, but like it'll be interesting to see whether the Jaguars are able to get back on track against uh, not super talented but well coordinated defense with so many people coming back. I think one one player that you didn't mention was Cam Robinson, who uh, practiced this week and could be playing off injured reserve for the first time on Sunday, and that would definitely be huge. So I, I looked up, you know, the stats put out there about their record with Cam Robinson versus their record without Cam Robinson. And I, I like looked up like they're like on and off splits with him. And like, they're like better as an offense and then passing and rushing all three of those and tri- like by EPA per play and Trevor Lawrence is better with him on the field, but it's only like marginally, which makes me wonder like, okay, part of it is he's missed some of their games against the best defenses they've played. You know, he didn't play versus the Chiefs, the Ravens, or the Browns. He did play against the 49ers, but I feel like other than that, like their easiest stretch of the season came with Robinson at left tackle. So I'm, I'm interested to see just how big of a difference it does make because, I don't know, when I watch the line, I don't think the tackles are the issue. You know, yeah. I like walk a little maybe – over the last few weeks has given up a higher clip of pressures than you would think. But before they started playing musical chairs with him and moving him in and out of the lineup and into and out to out of positions, you know, he was having a really strong season. I, I, I just wonder how much it really does change. Even if getting one of your more experienced guys back is obviously a positive. And I don't know, what, what would your guess be on who the starting offensive line would be. I'm, I'm assuming Robinson is back and is starting at left tackle. Everything Peterson has said this week has kind of indicated that. Uh, who do you think would be the starting line under that likely scenario? Yeah, I think Cam is going to come back and start at left tackle. And then center through right tackle is going to be Fortner, Sheriff, Harrison, as it has been. But then I would expect Ezra Cleveland to continue starting at left guard and Walker yeah. Little is then like, the swing tackle because I think it was Mark Long who asked Peterson on Tuesday, like with Cam Cam coming back, assuming he does play on Sunday, would that make Walker the swing tackle? And Doug said, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it would. And so I think like as you slash we have been saying for a few weeks, like Walker is just a tackle only at this point and he can go in on either side and play pretty well. But I think like obviously they trade for Ezra Cleveland for a reason. And I think, like, obviously they had long-term plans for Ezra when they trade for him with, like, the intent of probably re-signing him in the offseason. And so, like, I almost feel like this is kind of like a trial for him to, like, get a little bit more used to the scheme, get more used to playing, like, next to Robinson and Fortner uh, and just, like, kind of hold a tryout on the field for the Jaguars to determine whether they do want to keep him or if – they'd be better suited moving on and finding another guard replacement. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think your last point, that's exactly right. I guess it is Robinson and Cleveland that much better than little in Cleveland. 
So the point I was going to make about Cam is like I don't think it makes that much of a difference for the passing attack, especially like since Lawrence is either not going to play or is going to be not 100% for this game. But he's also been like better at avoiding pressure off the edges than the interior and like like the drop off and pass protection between all three tackles like isn't that really that big. But I think in the run game is like where we could actually see a pretty big difference from Robinson. I think it'll be interesting to see like because I don't think Robinson and Cleveland have played together maybe for one game. And that's usually like a pretty big deal is having chemistry on the offensive line. But I think we could see like a decent amount of like cam out in space. Like my hot take on the Tuesday show was that Cam was going to have a pancake on like a, some kind of screen pass. I think he's going to like make a difference in the ground game though. <laughs> Okay, my hot take is Chad Muma makes a special teams tackle in the second quarter. That's I'm on. I want you to know that's the same exact thing. That's the same thing. I that, I see you shaking your head because it sounds ridiculous. Same thing. We already went over this though. Like I had a good one set up with Brian Burns. And I was like, I can't do that. So like, like how how like how else can I portray that like. Cam Robinson is going to have a good game and like make an impact. Like it's not like he's. I'm, I can say Cam Robinson is going to have three catches for forty yards. <laughs> uh, I, I want to set some over unders for this game and, and see where we stand. Take Bigsby. I, I will take it down for four and a half. Under two and a half <laughs> touches. Under. You could say under zero point five snaps. I would still probably take okay. that. So I'm not under on two and a half touches. Yeah. Okay. Two and a half snaps over under. Uh, under still. It, running back one, rushing, running back rushing attempts fifteen and a half. <laughs> fifteen and a half. Oh, yeah. by all running backs. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. going over. I think I think this has yeah. to be like a pretty big ETN game. So the Panthers are number twelve over over the last month, which. I think it's the important thing, like when you're looking at EPA per play and stuff, like when it comes to matchups, looking at like recent games, like at least within like the last month, as opposed to like season long numbers. Over the last month, uh, the Panthers are 14th in rushing, no, 12th in rushing EPA per, per play allowed, and 14th in rushing success rate. They've been a good run defense. I I think the Jaguars are going to like throw it 50 times again in this game. That, that's my game. I'm, I'm going under 15 and a half rushing attempts. I say ETN gets 10 carries. <laughs> See, that's what I think will happen. But I think what should happen and needs to happen is that they just, like, feed ETN. Oh. Like, this is, like, the first week I've gotten to the point where I'm, like, you got to, like, get him 20 carries. Because usually, like, that stat where, oh, a running back reaches 20 carries or 25 carries and a team is, like, 8-3 and three or whatever is, like, such a BS stat. Because, obviously, like, when you're winning, you're going to run the ball more. But this yeah. week – this week is the first one where I'm like, even if you go down by multiple scores in the first quarter, like you got to stick with the game plan and you got to stick with ETN because like it's a long game. There's still three more quarters. Uh, hypothetically, like Bryce Young isn't going to put up that many points. So you got to like stay a little bit patient. I feel like the Jaguars offense have been like scared to punt the whole year. Like they're just, we talk about how Lawrence like lives, has that Josh Allen in him where he lives every play. Like it's the last and I feel like that's kind of what both sides of the bar are doing. They're like putting so much stock into each play. But it's like mistakes happen in the league. Mistakes happen in any sport. And so like you gotta just like move on and stick like with your game plan, even if something co- does come up. And like I get that they were down by thirty points last week, and so you do kind of have to pass in that circumstance. But I mean, I don't know. Maybe Bryce Young will look like Baker Mayfield, and then Joe Flacco the week before, and then Jake Browning the week before that. So, I don't know. But I, I think this is, like, the week where they really, really just have to commit to it and don't let it go. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. And I think – I don't know. I, they probably, in that sense, then go as far as the offensive line goes, right? Yeah. Can, can they block Brian Burns and can they block Derek Brown? I, I think Derek Brown's one of the more underrated – like defense alignment in the NFL right now. And it's because he's more of a run first guy instead of like a flashy pass rusher. Sorry, my cat's going nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think he I think he's one of the more underrated interior defense alignment in general. Can, can, 
can they like get enough production on first and second? Because that's what it feels like why they go away from the running game is because they waste so many first and second downs specifically, and they get into so many third and longs that it feels like they think the best way to avoid third and long is to throw it on early down. So can they get early down success against this front? I'm, I'm a little skeptical. I'm skeptical too, but I'm also skeptical that they can get early down production passing the ball. Like, I feel like it hasn't worked for them. Like the whole, like, uh, always throw on second and 10, which per the analytics, you definitely should do. So like, I don't, I don't know, but it, like, it hasn't worked for them. So I feel like you got to like, try so, like, just stick with it. All right. We're going to pull up the data. All right. All right. And see if I can throw it in your face or not. So first, so let's call it early downs, right? What's called early downs? First and second down is the parameters we're using? Yes. Okay. They are 14th in drop back EP, EPA per play and fifth in success rate on first and second down. Fifth in success rate? No way. That's crazy. What about the last month? Do the last I, month? I think I think it was Derek Krasner said Lawrence has the most and long attempts of any quarterback in the NFL this year. Fifth and success rate is definitely a lot higher. Yeah. Was that specifically on second? First and second down. First and second down. Okay. Do you want do you want specifically a first down? No, I want I want first and second down in the past month. I'm I'm just interested. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the past month. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See. Hoisted right. by your own petard. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. You just got you just got worked. Like, did you I guess you did like look at, did you look it up because you thought it was actually working and I was wrong or only because you thought you I was already, I was already I already had like all of their stuff like within the last month because I was looking at Panthers and Jaguars splits over the last month and right but did you expect the success rate to be that high or were you just looking for an opportunity to dunk on me both <laughs> okay <laughs> I, I was I, I was pretty sure their early down passing stuff was pretty good because again I Lawrence, other than a few stupid fumbles, like hasn't been their problem. Like he's, I think, ranks first in the NFL in for, like first or second in big time throws over the last month. He ranks thirty third in pressures allowed for like quarterback and specifically like percentage of pressures that the offense allows. How many are on him? He's thirty third in the NFL over the last month. There's a lot of turnover worthy plays, but I think PFF dings him for those interceptions that are coming on the miscommunications, et cetera. So I wonder how different that looks, but he, he has like 12 big time throws of 20 yards or more <laughs> over the last four weeks. Like he's still kind of slinging that thing. And I think it's more a byproduct of the offense has been bad than him. So I, I did expect for that early down to be a, a little bit better. I, I, I don't think they're wrong in saying that their only way to move the ball is through Trevor Lawrence, but I do think that they have to, at least attempt to run the ball. You know, like, right. I, I, that's really all I'm saying is like you don't have to like make the run pass splits like all the way up to 50-50. Just like increase the run splits splits by like five to ten percent because like, you're just like getting way too predictable at this point. You, you still got bulky balls for a record. <laughs> yeah. Would that be bald one ball? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's... We'd all be surprised if it didn't happen. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I guess then my next question is, like, I, I think the weak part of this Panthers defense has been the secondary. A lot of guys in and out of the lineup. I think CJ Henderson was a healthy scratch last week. I know J.C. Horn's been hurt a lot. He's really good when he's healthy, but he's been hurt a lot. Shaquille Griffin played last week. So there's an outside chance that Shaquille Griffin can get a second win against the Jaguars. with <laughs> a completely different team. No idea he was on the Panthers. That's crazy. If any pass goes his way and he gets a hand on it, I'm convinced he's going to bring it to the Jaguars sideline and like drop it off to them and get back on the field. He, bro, you're on your third team in a year. Like <laughs> the Houston game, every single play, no matter the result or no matter what he did, he would like say something back to the Jags like sideline. It was it was the best bit of the game. So I'm. I'm <laughs> I guess that's my thing is also like maybe the way to attack this Panthers defense, even though, you know, your quarterback's banged up and it already feels like, you know, you've kind of, you know, ridden his right arm completely and, you know, he's kind of got beat to hell as a result. Maybe the best way is to, you know, sling the ball this game. 
I mean, the the Panthers are a worse pass defense than they are rush defense by a considerable yeah. bit, too. I think they hold up pretty well against, like, number one receivers. I was reading some fantasy piece earlier that said they've allowed the six fewest fantasy points to wide receivers, and only three, three wide receivers have had, like, at least 19 fantasy points against them, and it was, like, Justin Jefferson, Terry McLaurin, Mike Evans, I'm pretty sure. Or I think Tyreek was one of them. So, I don't know. Like, I think you probably can throw against them out wide. But I think they're, like, especially good in the slot. So, like, not that I was expecting Parker Washington to do anything, but now I'm definitely not expecting him to do anything. So, like, I I think it's fair to, like, look for, like, uh, perimeter production from the wide receivers, especially with CJ not playing. Is it a Kevin really week? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I missed my mark last week. You uh, did. I took I, it from you. I took it and I ran. Yeah. The first the first time I said all year, not all year, but as the bit goes, the first time I've said in ages that'd be a Calvin Ridley week. He gets two touchdowns. So I feel like I'm now kind of the you know the dictator of where it goes. So you, you tell sure. me if it's Calvin Ridley week, I'll tell you if you're wrong. <laughs> okay. I think it's I think it is a Calvin Ridley week. I, I, I think they're going to pull out all the stops, try several, like regardless of if Lawrence or Beathard plays, which we haven't talked about really, I, I think that Ridley is going to see a lot of, you know, looks outside. And I guess that's the next thing is, I don't know, as, as far as Lawrence goes, this is the most, like considering it's Friday, 1230 at the time of this recording, this is the most unsure I've been of him playing in the game this year. Just, you know, the lack of practice this week, uh, the fact that it is his throwing shoulder. Part of me still thinks he's going to play. Like, he, his arm hasn't been in a sling. He held his own press conference. Part of me thinks that, you know, maybe. But on the other hand, I was, by this time, before the Browns game, this time before the Buccaneers game, and – I couldn't tell you what I thought the Saints game. That was that was too far ago. Too many takes since then. <laughs> I definitely thought I definitely thought he was playing in those two instances. I don't want to just say I thought he was going to play against the Browns and then find out I'm just talking out my ass. So, I mean, I mean, I mean the Saints. So I have no idea what my take was back then. I I feel like I thought that he was going to play against the Saints. So if I thought he was going to play against the Saints, I I'd like to think that you also did. I for for all three games for sure for me, I thought he was going to play like by the end of the week, even if I had some questions or thought it was kind of up and doubt by the beginning of the week. But I, I feel the same way where the, this is the first week that I'm still pretty unsure by the end of the week. Uh, I, If I had to guess one way or the other, I think he does play just because, as you said, even though he hasn't practiced, like he did have a player media availability. He hasn't had like his arm in a swing, in a sling. Uh, he didn't appear in pra- like at practice yesterday during like when media was out there but he was out there on tuesday i believe and like clearly he's like a psychopath warrior who's going to do anything he can to be out there so i like i i think he is going to play but it wouldn't surprise me if he gets held out because he had a shoulder injury that knocked him out of last week's game and i feel like when he had the concussion against the ravens like a lot of people could see that he was kind of like in a little bit of shoulder pain too and Doug was asked about it after the game and said, like, oh, I, I didn't notice it. But, I mean, it, it was Doug in a press conference, so who knows. Uh, but I, I wonder, like, if he originally injured his shoulder in that Ravens game and then he re-aggravated it or, like, made it a little bit worse during the Bucks game. And I think if that happened, then they're going to be a lot more cautious and just hold him out of this one because Peterson's whole thing this year has been, like, obviously not every football player is 100% healthy. But when we're deciding whether or not a player is going to play a game when he's hurt is like based on the risk of re-injury. And so if Lawrence did, in fact, re-injure his already hurt shoulder, then that makes me think there's maybe a slim chance he plays this week. How different is the quarterback position? Like just in terms of how much leniency there is to holding a guy out for injury? It's a big deal. I think it's like... Like franchise quarterback slash effectively yeah. good starter, which Lawrence is, and then just like the quarterback position in general, 
and then every other position down where like most, most players probably wouldn't have played with the other injuries he's had this year, more or less. Yeah, that's it, it's it's a tough one. I I don't know. I, I, I the way I see this matchup, I think I don't think my prediction changes either way with him in or out, but it it, it does say a lot that. You know, they're in must-win territory. And, like, it's kind of the story of the season. They're in must-win territory, and they're not sure if the quarterback's, you know, <laughs> going to play. So, it's it's a tough one to be in. Gus, you got any more takes on the offense, my friend? The only other note I had is that the Panthers' defense ranks fourth in blitz rate on the season with 34%, but they're only 26 in success rate on blitzes at 24%. And so, I think it would just be interesting to see you. Uh, regardless of who's in that quarterback for the Jaguars, like they should be able to take advantage of blitzes when the Panthers do send more than four. And so I'm curious if that ends up happening or not. I I, I feel like the Jaguars especially lately have struggled with blitzes. Like t- Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, they like they just couldn't block the blitz, you know, even in like six-man protection. Like they were just having leaks, like guys just like getting free runs. And I – I, I don't I don't know why it is like I, I I feel like every quarterback well most quarterbacks I know there are a few who aren't are like worse against blitz rather than no blitz but Lawrence especially I think the splits are pretty significant for for how he performs against the blitz and then when teams are just rushing for so I'm I'm I'm, I'm interested to see like even with you know them not being a dominant team in terms of results how much that kind of impacts the Jaguars offense because I don't think they're a good team offense against the blitz right now. Yeah, I will say in Trevor's defense, like I feel like the pass catchers don't really help out a ton because it's like when like when have you ever seen an opposing defense send six players and then a Jags player like catches a contested slant and takes it 40 yards like they're, they're really doing enough in terms of like just getting to their spots and catching the ball when Lawrence is under pressure. And then like there's nothing above that, too. So whether it's the offensive line or the receivers like. I will say that, like, Lawrence for sure is better when there's no pressure than when there is, but I don't think it's all on him. That's a fair point. Well, Gus, we'll be right back. Go over the defense. Gus, I, 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 again, just want to take the foresight to apologize because I'm expecting a Bryce Young game. I'll come out and say it, dude. I I don't – I'm expecting a Bryce Young game. I'm expecting DJ Chark have some kind of a revenge game whether it's yep. maybe not a lot of yards but at least like one big catch and and or one touchdown i i, I guess that's my take dj shark makes the most impactful play of the game oh that's a good one yeah no I, i'm on the same wavelength where like i'm not like completely sold he's gonna like score a touchdown or go over whatever his yards prop is but he's 100 percent gonna have like a huge first down down the sideline contested catch that just like seeps all the energy out of the stadium. Oh, what one million percent, man! <laughs> Again, like this, like this is a offense that it 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 hasn't been good. It's been disastrous more often than not this season. Over the last month, though, they've been a little better than they were at previous points. That's not ultimately saying a lot, but you know, over the last you know four weeks. They've been 14th in success rate on offense. I mean, compare that to the early part of the season where they were literally, you know, one of the worst offenses in the league. They're 14th in EPA per play. You know, they're 19th in drop back per EPA per play. You know, they're top 20 in drop back success rate. It's been a better offense over the last month than it was at any point prior to the season. Like, this feels like if the Jaguars played the Panthers in week five, you you could expect like one of the worst like offensive games ever. I think the Jags are getting the Panthers at a bad time, and I say that as somebody who has mocked the Panthers unmercifully at several points this season, especially Bryce Young. But I'm expecting a Bryce Young week, dude. I'll, I'll say it. Bryce, Bryce Young, 300 yards. Boom. Oh my gosh, disgusting. I'm gonna go Bryce Young under 200 yards. Bryce Young under 200 yards. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm. Um. I'm. Sticking with the guns. I'm sticking with the anti-short king agenda. I like. I I just can't see it. I feel like the Jaguars 
just like need to make Bryce Young win the game and like not have Trevor Lawrence slash CJ Beathard lose them the game. Um, and like, I feel like the Jags have like been a little bit up and down against the run this season, kind of a lot of peaks and valleys, but the past two weeks, they've kind of started to shore things up a little bit more, especially last week against the Bucks. Like I know the Bucks like scored a lot of points and their offense looked really good, but they averaged like two yards of carry on the ground and then eight yards per pass attempt. So I think like Chubba Hubbard like isn't really going to do a lot and it's going to have to be a Bryce Young game. And I personally, even with the way the Jags season is going, I'm still not going to bet on Bryce Young. Yeah, I just the, – the Jaguars defense is just – they aren't doing the things right now I think lead to big games against bad quarterbacks. Like They have a low pressure rate. I believe their pressure rate for a season is like three and a half points percent lower than it was last year. You know, they have a low sack rate. They've been a really bad tackling team. They're, you know, playing a lot of off coverage to begin with. And they've been bad against, you know, containing quarterbacks on the ground, you know, just in terms of limiting quarterback scrambling. And Baker Mayfield himself, you know, had a couple impactful scrambles for them. You put everything together. And, no, I don't know. I'll go ahead and say it. I'm, I'm betting on Bryce Young. To give the Jaguars defense trouble on Sunday, I just I don't I don't think it's a defense from earlier in the year that we could believe in to just destroy a bad quarterback like you know Week Eight uh, Kenny Pickett I I, I I hold Kenny Pickett in the same regard I do Bryce Young generally and it was obvious the Jaguars were going to kill Kenny Pickett that week I I don't I don't think it's the same defense guys I mean am I, I wrong I don't, I don't, am I crazy. I, like, I don't think it's the same defense, and I don't think they can kill Bryce Young, but like I, I just don't think they're going to roll around and be killed by Bryce Young. Like I think like I think the Panthers are scoring like 20 to 24 points in this game, and like the Jags' defense will be good enough to win, and then it's just a matter of what the offense does. For the record, I was wrong on my previous stats. I was still looking at the first and second <laughs> <laughs> They're twenty fifth in EPA per play over the last month and nineteenth in success rate. So I, I, I've been owned. By, I've been owned by trying to own you. So they they basically have been the Broncos' offense over the last month. Would you pick the Broncos' offense to have success against the Jaguars pre Jared Stidham? No. no? <laughs> like, Russell Wilson isn't nearly as bad as Bryce Young, but like he's not good. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not, I mean, the teams, the, the the teams that are beat like have been beating up on the Jags. Like, the offenses aren't exactly like high profile, other than Baltimore. Like, no. Cleveland's offense still isn't a very good offense in terms of efficiency. Like you're, Joe, you're, Flacco, Joe Flacco has turned the ball over as much as Trevor Lawrence has. Uh, here's where I'm getting a little bit of copium. The Panthers rank uh, or run 11 personnel at the second highest rate in the league, 93% clip. So they're very – like obviously they'll do like different formations out of 11 personnel, but when you have three receivers on the field over 90% of the time, then you tend to be like a little bit predictable. And I feel like – the Jags defense has been gashed more by like heavy personnel teams. Like the Bengals probably run a lot of 11 personnel, even when like Jamar Chase or T Higgins are hurt, but like the Ravens and the Browns, especially, and then a little bit of the bucks, like we'll like lean into a little bit more of like either two tight end or two running back sets. And so I think it benefits the Jags defense this week that a they're playing an offense that like uses light fronts or light personnel a lot more and B they're playing an offense that uses like the same personnel all the time. It's like be able to hypothetically game plan a little bit better for it. That's fair. And that, that I can understand. Like they are probably like you said, an easier offense, like to game plan for, because again, it's still not like to have like a ton of weapons you know, outside, like obviously right. DJ Chark's one of the big options and he hasn't really been the receiver. Anybody expected after his breakout year, Adam Thielen sees like a ton of targets. I, 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 I don't know. I, I think that they don't have the position guys, especially the hurt the Jaguars. 
But I don't know. It, it, it just this feels like a Jaguars defense that has given up so many easy plays over the last month. Like I just I struggle to be swayed by them against a bad quarterback because I don't think they've been good against bad. I'm sorry, Jake Browning, like the you know pumpkin is back out. Like it's obvious that Jake Browning isn't actually good. You know, yeah. I know I know Joe Flacco is throwing for a ton of yards against everybody, but. He's not nearly as good as the Jaguars made him look. And I, I know Baker Mayfield is on a tear, but that's against the Panthers, the Jaguars, and the Falcons. I don't think he's as good as the Jaguars made him look. I think Lamar is the only good quarterback they've played over the last month, but all four have kind of shredded them. So that's more or less where I'm coming from. I do think that all those teams do have, like, legit good play callers, though. Even, like, the Bucks, who I don't know the offense coordinator's name off the top of my head, but I know he's a legit, like, good play caller and like a potential head coach candidate uh like but like you also said that like uh they don't really have anyone that like scares you in terms of pass catchers and like that's my biggest thing it's like yeah Bryce, Bryce Young doesn't scare me but like that point is like kind of void because of all the non-scary quarterbacks that have gone for 300 plus yards against Jacksonville recently but like they don't have an Amari Cooper or a Mike Evans or a David Njoku or um, a Jamar Chase, like DJ Chark is probably going to have like a really big play. I agree with you there, but like Chenault and Tommy Tremble and like whoever else they have in offense, like I don't know. I think I don't know. like Tyson but, Campbell actually like hasn't looked like we we're expecting him to, but he's also had like been going up one on one against like Jamar Chase and Mike Evans. Like I'm not particularly surprised that he got killed by those players. Like I'm not expecting him to get killed by DJ Chark. That's fair. It for the record from summer sports, the personnel that the Jaguars are worst against in terms of EPA per player allowed in order are 22 personnel, 12 personnel and 21 personnel. They produce a negative EPA per play against 10, 12, 11 and 13 personnel. So it looks like you're right that, you know, they are better against those personnel, which bulky ball. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you see, it's harder for me to bulky ball you when they aren't doing anything good. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I, I can't pull out some asinine stat that one of his players have gotten when nothing's going good. Yeah, it's harder with like bigger sample sizes too. Because in the beginning of the season, like Brenton Strange had three catches, but it was like actually not terrible because it only been through like a handful of games, but now it's like he has six catches through almost the entire season, so what are you going to do? You can't hurt me now. Does he have six catches? That would probably be my guess, is that he has exactly six. Uh, okay, before looking at it, I'm not looking. My guess is under six catches. Your guess is six? Yeah. He has four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. He last... He last caught a pass on October 15th against the Indianapolis Colts. One more game and we make the last year jokes. He last saw a target in week 10 against the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> you got both. Dude, the Jags, I was looking at like usage splits, obviously, to like prep for the pod, and the Jags are fifth in usage of 13 personnel. Like, and they don't do anything out of it. It's crazy. I feel like we talked a lot, or at least I talked a lot about, like, before the season, like, about how Strange is going to impact, like, those multiple tight end sets, and they're going to run a lot more 13 personnel. They have, but they just don't do anything out of it. It very much feels like they lack an identity, which, I don't know, can you kind of say that for the defense, too? Like, what is the defense's identity, really, right now? Like, like, what, what what does either side of the ball do well right now because I know what the defense wants to do, but I, I still don't think they stopped the run well. I mean, I, I'm, I'm curious how much different Tampa Bay's running splits were in the first half compared to the second half because they basically were running out the clock in the second half and it felt obvious that they were going to run the ball. So uh, I, I, I'll try to find that. But like, I, I think the thing that they try to be best at is stopping the run. And I think that they've been bad at that. They haven't. Got turnovers? Like, what is their defense identity to you? I think 
I, like, I don't think they have one right now. I think what they want it to be is applying pressure and like stopping the run is a big part of that and probably like the first part of that. But I think ultimately they want to make opposing quarterbacks uncomfortable and just, again, really just apply pressure and make make the offense's job difficult and like kind of like bring the fight to the offense rather than being one of those defenses that's like, we're going to like sit back in a too high zone and just give you everything underneath and you're going to have to, we're, we're going to try to like urge a m- mistake out of you because you're getting impatient. And the Jags defense is the opposite where it's like, no, we're, we're coming straight to the fight. And we're like, we're forcing a mistake out of you. We're not going to wait around for a mistake. I feel like they just don't really like have the horses to fully carry out that vision. But for the offense, I got no idea. I feel like Doug and press a couple of times have said like, they want to be efficient and op- efficient and explosive on offense. It's like, so does everyone. Like, <laughs> and you're also neither of those right now. So, like, now what? I feel like their identity is just, like, put the ball into 16's hands and see what happens, for better or worse. Yeah, it definitely doesn't feel like anything really cohesive is happening, which, like, for as much as I killed – you know, the front office, especially our last episode, I will concede, like, to them. Like, if I'm, you know, Trent Baalke, I'm probably thinking, like, the guys I picked aren't being well-coached right now, and it, like, on either side of the ball. So, I, I, I think that's probably fair. Gus, you got anything else on defense before we get into uh, score predictions? Yeah, I got one last note, and it's pretty much the exact same note as the last one, where the Jags' defense ranks 10th in blitz rate and 24th in success rate. So both of these defenses like to blitz, but they're not really great at it. And so I think that's going to like be one of the keys to the game is like which defense is actually able to hit on their de- hit on their blitzes and generate a couple sacks or a couple turnovers or a couple negative plays for the opposing offense. I think the blitzes will go a long way when they do pop up. So who turns the ball over more on Sunday? The Jaguars starting quarterback, whether it be Beathard or Lawrence or the Panthers? Fresh, fresh young, not the I think they're going to tie at two turnovers each. Okay, okay. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely expecting just a lot of turnovers from those sides, really. I was going to, like, that's my thing with the turnovers is I don't even know how you really stop it, you know? Like, like it, it, it's, it, it seems like it's something that just, like, comes in bunches, and I know a lot of it probably has to do with ball security, et cetera, but how do you actually just stop – Turn the ball over <laughs> like they have. Like I, 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 confidence thing. Like with the even with the McManus kicks, because I feel like being a kicker is so much. Obviously, like you need physical skills, but it's uh, arguably like the most mental position in football. I mean, quarterbacks pretty mental anyway. I, like I think it's really just like a confidence thing, and I don't think that like like coaches' messages have been like lost on the locker room, or at least not yet, or like the locker room is like becoming divided or anything like that, at least not yet. Uh, but like they just like don't have confidence and I feel like they're pressing again to like make a play on every single every single play and try to score on every single drive. And it's like again, it's like take a little bit of pressure off yourselves. Like especially when the defense and ETN were like doing well in the beginning of the year. Like not everyone has to do everything. You got to just do your job, which is pure coach speak. But I think that's kind of the issue. Yeah, they definitely looked like an unconfident team against Tampa Bay from like the first play, right? Yeah. Like they looked like they knew they were the worst team, which I had a player tell me earlier in the locker room this year that when they were winning, that that was the big difference. Like that in past years, they'd come out and basically, like, like from the first play, be like, <laughs> gonna. Gonna be a long day. <laughs> I don't really know if we got this. Yeah, to where their confidence had done a 180. Now I kind of wonder if their confidence is kind of back, like being tanked and back to what it once was. I wonder, I feel like they're still like harping too much on last year's events because, like, during the offseason, I think the players did a good job of being like, yeah, that was pretty cool, but like this season is this season and we have new goals. But at the same time, like during the season, all the players have been like, yeah, like, we're definitely facing adversity, but we faced adversity before. Like we know how to get out of this. It's like you went on like a pretty nice win streak, but it was like in the regular season, like you, you still haven't done anything. And so like, I feel like they have like a little bit too much like 
or had a little bit too much self-confidence and that like, oh, we're really good and we can do anything. And then they kind of like hit a wall because they weren't as good as they thought. And now they're like, don't know what to think. It's like, are, are we actually good enough to make a run similar to last year or are we not as good as we thought? And so I feel like that's kind of where the confidence has been sat. If they beat the Ravens, would they have beat Tampa Bay last week? Hmm. I think they would have – if they had beaten the Ravens, I think they would have, like, lost a close one to the Bucks. But they, they've had so many injuries that they just haven't been able to overcome that, like, I don't think it's – obviously the confidence is a big issue, but it's far from the only issue. Makes sense. Makes sense. Oh, last thing before. Poor one out for Tyson King. He's become – him and Trevor Lawrence this year just been beat the hell. You know, he popped up on injury report with a finger injury this week out of really seemingly nowhere – Peterson said he broke the tip of his finger <laughs> against the Bucks. So every week, man, that that dude is just every single week. So that that's one injury to potentially monitor. You know, he didn't play much the second half. Pete, Peterson, I don't know. His answer is kind of both. Like we took him and Cisco out because you know we're still getting the legs under him, and then also we took them out because you know they were struggling. I'm interested to see how much. Campbell in general that you see this week because, you know, it is kind of getting to the point where is it even worth having them out there, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested in that too. But, again, like there's a big difference between covering Mike Evans and DJ Chark. So, hoping that will help. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Gus. We'll be right back. Give you our picks. All right, Gus. After my successful picks – Last week for Mr. Ridley, I got your lock of the week. I got two locks of the week for you right here. You ready? Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Bryce Young over 173 and a half yards. Lock that in. Passing yards? 173 and a half passing yards. Yeah, lock that in. Okay. Also lock in DJ Chark over 23 and a half receiving yards. I'm glad we don't keep scoring these for the record. <laughs> yeah, I always write these down, and then we never come back to them. But I'm going to write them down anyway. DJ Chark over how many yards? 23 and a half. 23.5 receiving yards. And then Bryce Young was over 173 passing and yards. And a half, yeah. And a half, okay. Yeah. And then – Locks. And then – I like ETN under 60 and a half rushing yards. Okay. I like I like ETN. Uh, I was going to say over his rushing plus receiving yards, but I'll go ETN over 60 rushing yards just so we can stir the pot a little bit and maybe come back. Yeah, dude. What, what's the last game he had over 60 yards? I don't know if I can find out. What's your what's your guess? I think I think he hasn't run for sixty since I think he's done it once since the bye would be my guess. Okay, he had he hasn't done it since the Pittsburgh game. Okay, his high since the Pittsburgh game was fifty six. <laughs> All right, he went yeah, never thirty five, fifty two, fifty six, and then over the four game losing streak, it's been. 45, 35, 31, 12. So literally going down as the losses are stacking up. Yeah, okay. I I want to buy the dip, but 60, 60 is a pretty high line for how unproductive. That's what I'm saying. That is what I'm saying, my friend. All right, well, maybe I'll go over 20 and a half receiving yards for ETN. I like – under 55 and a half receiving yards from Engram. The Panthers, off the top of my head, they've allowed the second fewest catches, the third fewest targets, and the sixth fewest yards to tight ends on the season. And so I think Engram will like get a couple like checkdowns or like short passes, but I don't, I'm not not really expecting it to be a big Engram game. What, what was that stat that? You double check on Twitter. It's like him, like how many catches he has, like with the minimum first downs. It, 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 it's just it, he's been checked out, Charlie, and that's not his fault. That's why I called him a couple weeks ago. Like my, one of my hot takes was that he was uh, 
uh, crossing route merchant. And, like, that's pretty much wise because, like, like, clearly he's good, but, like, he it feels like he could be better. And I, I think part of the, like, I'm trying to pull up the stat. I think part of the reason for the stat I'm about to say is that, like, he's not really used downfield a lot. Like, it's not like his A, a dot is one and he's only used at the line of scrimmage, but, like, he's never really used on, like, seam routes or, like – just like routes more than ten or fifteen yards down the field. We, That's the right. To me, it doesn't feel like a. It feels like a usage thing to me. Yeah, in week one against the Colts, he had like that pretty sweet sideline contested catch, and like it feels like that's been like the only such play the whole season. Um. So the stat is Engram is the only tight end or or wide receiver in league history with over ninety five catches in a season, but fewer than forty first downs crazy in league history that's that's pretty crazy it's not even like since the super bowl era he's been i mean i don't want to say he's been inefficient but that's that how you not to be inefficient can, can i make one note yeah out of 74 tight ends this year with at least 10 targets he is 62nd in a dot mm. there you five go. yards but I will say David Njoku is two spots below him, and he's kind of gone dummy. So yeah, I'll also add that I think his catch rate is decent, or at least Press Taylor thinks it is, because D Rock was doing a story on Engram since he's about to reach 100 receptions on the season, and so he asked Press a, t- a question, and Press was like, "Yeah, I think like the most impressive thing about it to me is that he's getting a lot of volume, but he's also turning like that volume into receptions, like." He, he's about to hit 100 receptions, and it's not like he has 150 targets or anything like that. He's doing a good job of catching the ball when it come when it does come his way. So yeah, he's at 81% on reception percentage, which I don't know. Let, let me try to bump up the targets here to let's say 50, kind of narrow it down some. Which 81 feels good. Yeah, I think above 80. Yeah, it'd be third among 23 tight ends with 50 targets this year. Who's first and second? Dalton Kincaid and Cole Komet, who... Wow. Fake player. I would have guessed, like, Hawkinson and, I don't know, someone else. Those are Kelsey is fourth, which I would not have guessed. Who is? Kelsey. Yeah, I would I, I would have thought he would be lower. Hawkinson is seventh. Where's uh, Kittle at? Who? Kittle. 14th. <laughs> Kyle Pitts is last, and Njoku is just over him. Oh. God, what a weird season for Njoku. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's low a dot, low reception, but he's turning everything into like a touchdown. That's crazy. He's, I, he's, he should make the Pro Bowl. He's, he's gotten so much better at blocking, too, since he first came into the league. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a good player. Uh, I guess. Score prediction. Um, first of all, my let me just give a lock of the week. Let's hear it. Let me go. Would, was there any Parker Washington props? Shut up. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll just go Chubba Hubbard under rushing yards, which is set at. Huh, I don't see it up actually. But I would take Chubb Hubbard. My score prediction is Jaguars 24, Panthers 21. I think Trevor Lawrence plays and they eke out a disgusting win at home. But if, asterisk, if if Trevor Lawrence doesn't play and C.J. Beathard starts, I think it's going to be like 34-3 Panthers. Jaguars. My official prediction is Trevor starts, Jags win by three. Jaguars 23, Panthers 21. Mm. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm picking them. I, I, I shouldn't be. I really don't know why. But. <laughs> you told me you were going to take the Panthers. and here we I are. said, I think. I said <laughs> this is a long week, and I think. I've more yeah, I, actually, I mean, I like that you're going with your gut, though. That's what you should be doing. Yeah, I just – I think for as bad, terrible, downright unwatchable as the Jaguars have been at times over the last month, 
They have to be able to beat the Panthers, right? Yeah, In a must-win game. If they can't, I haven't said fire a coach since Urban like let somebody grind on him. But if you can't beat this Panthers team, it might just be kind of a lost cause. Yeah, I think if if they do lose to the Panthers, I think there's going to be a big firing, and it's kind of just a matter of who wins the power struggle. Yeah, that. God, that'd be an embarrassing loss. I'm picking them begrudgingly, and I am not sold on it. And the more I talk about it, the more I want to go back on it, so I should probably stop talking about it. One of my hot takes this week is that Doug needs to take more control because it's annoying that like the same issues are popping up now that popped up in Philly where it's like he lost the power control with a general manager in terms of like direction with the team, and then he was – just stuck on Press Taylor for too long and apparently like not letting go of Press Taylor was one of the things that got him fired from Philadelphia. And now he's here in Jacksonville and he brought along Press Taylor with him and he's let, letting Press Taylor call plays and he's letting Balky construct the roster. And it's like, you gotta like turn this from Trevor Lawrence's team into Doug Peterson's team during the season. And like, even if you're not able, like a power struggle doesn't happen and like Balky doesn't go out the building, like, you got to take back play calling from press. You got to like make some changes to your coaching staff potentially. Like you got to like take action and make, make sure that everyone knows that this is your team. Cause we've talked about how like the front office kind of like sat with their hands and didn't do much during the off season. But like, like what is, what is Doug doing? If he's not calling plays, if he's not like inspiring the locker room, if he doesn't have a lot of like control or say in like the personnel decisions, like, what are you doing? He's 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 gonna like step get into action. That 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 is kind of my stance when it comes to press. That for any vitriol people have for press, which I won't argue at this point, you probably have to have the same feelings towards Gus for not Gus uh, towards Doug, right? Because <laughs> one, he hired him. Two, he promoted him. And three, it's still Doug's offense. You know, like like come on, dude, you're you're still super heavily involved. Like at the end of the day, the buck has to stop with him. I think so. I don't disagree with you. Uh, my hot take is you see – how many former Jaguars? LaVisca won't be playing. So I, the only former Jaguars would be Chark and Shaq Griffin. And I, so I can't predict two former Jaguars touchdowns. I predict DJ Chark outproduces – I can't. I said it was a Cowboy of the week. Okay, I predict Shaq Griffin outproduces Tyson Campbell. Would be a good. No, one. I'll say Trevor Hubbard has twice as many rushing yards as Travis Etienne. Oh. <laughs> All right, that's that's a pretty good one. Twice as many. I think they're both might be twenty four. <laughs> yeah. All right, I got another one. Uh, I would make. Trevor Lawrence and Josh Allen, the second highest paid players at their respective positions this offseason. Yeah, I, I really wouldn't have. What do you say? I really wouldn't have a problem paying Trevor like people think, dude. Like, it, yeah. it's obvious. Like, yeah, the turnovers have been an issue, but it's obvious it's more the offense than it is Lawrence is what's dragging them down. Yeah. I, I, I think it, any sensible person sees that. I feel like it's the same story for both sides where like, like Josh Allen isn't like turning the ball over or really making any mistakes himself, but like both sides of the ball, I feel like are just getting like dragged across a finish line by Trevor Lawrence and Josh Allen. So at first the take was, I would give Trevor Lawrence a fully guaranteed contract, which I personally would, but I know that no owner would. And so that's why I said, I'll give him the second highest contract. He's like, 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 no one's going to give the Deshaun Watson contract to anyone, but I would like, I'll give Trevor like the most guaranteed money in his contract behind only Deshaun pretty much. And then like for Josh, I said second for him too, because Nick Bosa just signed like an absurd extension where he's getting paid $34 million a year. And he like, he's also a previous defensive player of the year winner and like has a lot more kind of on his resume, but I would, I would still make Josh Allen a $30 million player 30 million per year player uh, i feel oh. like like we've talked or you've talked a lot about or use the phrase like don't let josh allen out of the building this offseason that's 
that's pretty much how I feel like it. It's just like two clear blue chip guys on either side of the ball that you can build like those sides of the ball around those players. And so like, I kind of think that they've got a quarterback, a pass rusher, a head coach and a defensive coordinator all in place. And you just got to build around those four. Yeah. I, I, I think you're right. I think Josh Allen, I don't know when we talk about their offseason mistakes. Maybe we need to because I, I I don't really mention it. Need to talk more about not paying Josh Allen. How that that right now definitely looks like one. You know, like he definitely seems like you could have bought a lot lower on on him, and now you're uh, you're the franchise tagging him and probably pissing him off to no end, or uh, franchise tagging him and then signing him in the summer like you did with Ingram. Which the issue with that is it prevents you from actually using the franchise tag to keep a guy from hitting free agency, which is the entire point of the franchise tag. Like, it's not meant to be – like, it, it isn't meant to be, like, a placeholder like that. I feel like you get so much more use out of it if you actually use it. Like, if they could use the franchise tag on Calvin Ridley, I feel like that would be so much more helpful right now than using the franchise tag on Allen and then just signing him in July. I don't think they want to use a franchise tag on Ridley, though, because I think – I'm not 100% sure, but I think that they think that if they use a franchise tag on Ridley, then it's going to be a second-round pick in terms of compensation to Atlanta. I could be wrong, but that's why that's part of the reason I'm assuming so hard that like Josh Allen is going to get the tag no matter what, and then they're hopefully figure out an extension after the fact. But like assuming I'm right about Ridley and like they're not interested whatsoever in giving him the franchise tag, even if they did extend Josh Allen before the facts, like if it's not Josh Allen and it's not Calvin Ridley, like who else are you going to give the tag to? Ezra Cleveland? <laughs> like that would probably be the best option, which is obviously a terrible option. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, you're not using the tag on Ezra Cleveland. That's a fair point. Fair point. Yeah. I guess. You got anything else for us on the Panthers? <sighs> hmm. No, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to – I'm debating whether we should talk about MVP or not. Maybe we should just save it. About I'm who? Talk about the MVP discussions and the takes. My take is that – here it is. I don't think numbers should be used in MVP arguments. Like, you can say, like, Lamar Jackson has led his team to the best record in the league, or Brock Purdy has thrown for the most touchdowns of any quarterback this league. But like when you start pulling up like the EPA numbers and just like list like each quarterback is like this guy is this EPA and this DYAR and this like value over expectation compared to like all these like you, you can lose me with all that stuff. It's like the it's like a democratic thing for a reason that like there's voters that like are humans. And, like, that's kind of the point. Like, if it was just going to go – if the award was just going to go to the most productive player, then, like, we wouldn't have people voting on it. Yeah. And so, like, I feel the same way about, like, the FSU thing with a committee. It's, like, if we were just going to give it to the teams with the best record, then, like, there wouldn't be a committee. Like, the committee is there to make subjective choices. And so that's why FSU shouldn't have been in the playoffs and Brock Purdy shouldn't be MVP. Yeah, that – like, <laughs> when we see the nerds, derogatory uh you know post like the stats and stuff like that it's like do people aren't voting for mvp based off yeah. <laughs> epa like like yeah a lot of times mvp winner happens to have a really high epa because they're a really good player but be, the people who are voting on this and i feel like that's people forget like the people who are voting on this are like just like sports writers you know it, it's it, like what one of the only analytical guys who votes on it might be like aaron Schatz. so yeah and even he is like at least better about not harping in on like one thing. Like he literally made up his own statistic, but like he's like good about like not <laughs> too much. But like, yeah, like when you when you're pulling up like all the EPA and stuff, that's what's so frustrating is that like the nerds are supposed to be like helping people like contextualize the sport and like learn more about it. So like the nerds would be at the forefront of being like Brock Purdy has the all these awesome numbers, but it's fake because of X, Y, and Z is like what they should be doing. But instead, it's just like, oh, no, numbers matter more than anything else. And here's the MVP based on this. It's like, yeah, it's the whole purpose. It, when I see these arguments, I'm basically telling people, like, why aren't you making a case for Baker Mayfield over Lamar Jackson? Then? 
you know, like he has better EPA per play, he has more passing production. So, do you think Baker is better than Lamar this year? And if the answer is no, which obvious it's no, then you don't. Then these numbers don't hold that much. And I think as I've gone on, EPA per play is like it's an offensive. Yes, like, like it's not. I don't think it's quarterback. Like it's what it's like an offensive driven stat. You know, and like. Because it contextualizes like all the surrounding factors, yards after catch, stuff like that that guys generate from. So, um, I'm, but I, I I'd vote McCaffrey. Like right now, I'd go McCaffrey, Lamar slash Josh Allen. I don't care. You know, you give it either one of them. I don't think it would be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Tyreek, and then Dak, and then maybe I could hear a case for Stafford, and then nobody else. I, I'm not I'm not listening to a case I'm for has a like a decent case. I feel like Stafford and Josh Allen are both like if they happen to have two ridiculous weeks to close a season yeah. and then like technically the Bills can still win their division, but it's a little bit of a long shot. I feel like there's no way the Rams would be able to win their division. But yeah, I would say I wish Tyreek had played a fully healthy season because then like I feel like we'd just be like he's obviously the MVP. Let's yeah. just give him because he was he, like, he, he, He's probably more likely to win offensive play of the year than he has on VP. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be like too upset if McCaffrey won, but at the same time, like he's clearly super valuable, valuable, but so is like a lot of players on that team. Like it's not like McCaffrey is drawing a ton of gravity himself and then it's like letting DJ Chark and Zay Jones like go wide open for touchdowns. Like sure. Kittle and Debo and even Ayuk still pull gr- plenty of gravity on their own. And so like I'm kind of ho- hoping that like, votes for Purdy and McCaffrey will kind of like cancel each other out. And then like whether Lamar or Josh Allen or Dak wins it, like, I mean, I, I like Dak a lot. He probably shouldn't win it, honestly. So I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping it goes to Lamar because he's, he's truly like, I think been the most yeah. valuable player this year. I, I think it'll be Lamar or Josh Allen. Like saying Lamar, like in person a couple weeks ago, it's just, Playing amazing football right now. Oh, like what? Like five other players have won two MVPs or more in their career. Lamar becoming the next one would be would be crazy. So that'd be awesome. Yeah. So I, I, I'm just happy that it's such a narrative driven award that I feel like there's zero chance Brock Purdy can win it after he threw four picks and won the biggest games of the year. So yeah, I did it. All Baltimore celebrating after that. <laughs> Baltimore is America's team <laughs> for sure. Yeah, so uh, we'll have to do a maybe at the end of the year we'll do a, like a little award show for I don't know I don't know if any Jaguars really deserve any <laughs> award but we can at least say who we would pick out for MVP and everything else. Bet sounds good. All right, well we'll be back sometime. You know Monday Tuesday. I don't know. We'll fi- we'll figure it out. We'll be we'll back, back to talk. <laughs> yeah, we'll be back to talk Jaguars and Panthers. Until then, John Shipley, my co-host Gus Lowe. Thank you guys for listening to the Jaguar Report podcast. And don't forget to get your last bulky ball in before New Year.